Welcome to Coffee with Kupke, a production of St. Paul Inside the Walls. Here on Coffee with Kupke, we grab a cup of coffee, at least we're claiming this is coffee. We sit with Monsignor Kupke, Raymond Kupke, the pastor of St. Anthony's in Hawthorne, professor at Immaculate Conception Seminary, diocesan archivist. We sit with Monsignor Kupke to delve into the history of Catholicism in the Diocese of Patterson. My name is Father Paul Manning. I am the vicar for evangelization for the Diocese of Patterson. And here I am with Monsignor Kupke. So grab your cup of coffee and let's jump right in. I'm going to take a sip. We are uh, on our fourth episode uh, talking about the the giant Dean uh, William McNulty, uh, probably the most uh, impactful figures, uh, one of the most impactful figures in, in the history of our diocese. We left Dean McNulty uh, encouraging temperance among his congregation by visiting uh, bars on Friday afternoon to make sure that uh, the men of the parish didn't spend their whole paycheck. Yeah. So uh, Dean McNulty had a, uh, a, a social consciousness, uh, you know, was yeah. aware of the challenges facing uh, the men and women of his day, and began social Even, services. Yeah, one of the most forward-thinking, you know, looking at things from today, is uh, a institution that hardly ever gets mentioned, but the St. Francis Residence for Women was started by Dean McNulty. And this one was when women were first beginning to enter the workforce. In the silk industry? Well, or, or as secretaries. Oh, Okay. And so he creates a basically a hotel, a hostel for young single women who are working in the city, so that they can live in a good Christian environment. Yeah. You know, he by today's th- standards, you know, for somebody who started as a pastor in 1860, you would not think that he would be that adaptable. Yeah, amazing. I uh, um, was uh, surprised that. Um, the hospital uh, started by the Sisters of Charity yeah. started with only four sisters, is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. So this would be when and... When they celebrated their 150th anniversary, I guess it was, recently. Um, we had fun trying to decide which building in downtown Patterson was the site of the original hospital and you know to put a plaque on it. But very soon they bought this estate on Upper Main Street, the Fonda estate. Yeah. But it grew so rapidly, and and it was one of the dean's favorite, you know, charities. He would always be raising funds for it. That this is Saint Saint Joseph's uh, Hospital, right. a medical center today. Yeah. You know, you can hardly find the original part of that hospital you know, to find the cornerstone there is a but is 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 the original building still in, in not the original original but the one first the one ones. that they built is somewhere in the middle of that complex but they've added and you know yeah yeah and uh um what what would a hospital have been like in those days would the sisters have been nurses yeah i've studied nursing 
Well, probably just beginning to do that to the extent that it was available. And also ultimately creating what really doesn't exist for the most part anymore, a a hospital school of nursing. Mm. Now, as late as the 50s and 60s, St. Joseph's, All Souls in Marstown, and St. Mary's in Passaic all had their own teaching. What we would call today a junior college or nursing school. Oh, Today, you know, you'd be expected to get a a bachelor's yes. degree in nursing, yeah. but back yeah. then you could have be, be what are they, you know, a registered nurse. Uh, you had gone through nurses' training, and there were four of them. And w- what uh, uh, struck me is that the Sisters of Charity had to be beggars in order to to fund yeah. the operation. So yeah. you talked about a Sister Hildegard in a black Mariah. Yes. Now, what most of us don't know what it's a basically black a, 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 buggy. a paddy wagon, yeah, a buggy, yeah. you know, yeah. an enclosed, and she would go out every week and yeah, to the factories and for, know, handouts, for handouts, keep so. the operation going. Yeah. And um, Dean McNulty, uh, from his early years, had a connection to the Sisters of Charity, and it seems whenever he was uh, beginning one of these uh, initiatives, he would tap the sisters, yeah. and they would. They respond. Would, yeah, yeah. So there's a. a I think I, I think he and and Mother Xavier had comparable visions. Yeah, were cut from the same cloth. Yeah, yeah. cut from the same cloth, and they were. Yeah. They were so you you have the hospital, but also the orphanage. You know what ultimately will be Mount Saint Joseph's that was only torn down a few years ago. Yeah, that piece of property was the old shepherd farm from the river all the way up to where the Little Sisters are now. Okay. And so you had McNulty will develop that into the cemetery mm. and then also the orphanage and then up on top of the hill, past his time, the Little Sisters of the Poor. But originally it's all one piece of property. So you mentioned the cemetery that he began, which is Holy Sepulchre. Right. There was a cemetery right across the street from St. Joseph's. Um Okay. Called Sandy Hill Cemetery. And at some point, the municipal authorities in Patterson decided that there would be no cemeteries in the city boundaries. So they had to move all the graves. Oh, wow. Out of that. It's now Sandy Hill Park. Okay. <clears throat> so McNulty develops part of the Shepherd Farm, which I think he already owned it. At this point, there's a orphanage right near the river that ultimately will be taken down and a new one built further up on the property. But he develops that as Holy Sepulchre Cemetery. And as you mentioned, that was once a a drilling field for American troops in the Revolution. Yeah, so I was going to pose a question that way. The Dye Mansion and and, uh, Washington and Totowa. Yeah, so our, our... Diocesan Cemetery was a, a, a training ground for right. revolutionary soldiers. Interesting. Um, uh, There's an interesting detail. Again, you know, <clears throat> it's it's legendary, but you, you're not sure that it's factual. But it seems like it is. You know, as as Patterson changes and the population begins moving further up Broadway there develops a very, very strong rivalry between St. Joseph's and St. John's in Patterson. The parishes. Yeah. yeah. 
And eventually, by the time the dean dies, they both have their own parish high school, which just exacerbates the rivalry. No yeah, end. yeah. But if you drive through Patterson on Route 80... Hello, this is Bishop Kevin Sweeney of the Diocese of Patterson, and I have a new podcast called Beyond the Beacon. One of the things I love about this podcast is that I get to interview Catholics of different ages and backgrounds and learn what inspires them to live a life of faith, hope, and love. Join me on Thursdays for Beyond the Beacon, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or watch it on my YouTube channel. Click the link in the description to learn more. Thank you, and God bless you. Which many of us do. and and stopped it in your tracks for a moment, which you should not do. <laughs> um, and gaze at the city. You know, the cathedral is obvious right in front of you, but right. if you look at the hill behind it, you can see Saint Joseph's. And the story is that Saint Joseph's was meant to have a steeple, but that the dean kind of. Maneuvered so that it would not be built because that would have made St. Joseph's taller on the horizon yes, than the prominent. cathedral was. And so you, can, when you look at it, when you look at it from the Route 80 perspective, you can see that St. Joseph's is kind of stunted. There, you can yeah, tell, tell yeah. that it was meant to have a steeple. We used to uh, drive to my cousins on Long Island, and every time we passed through Patterson, my mother would say. Look, look to your left, the city, the city of churches, the city of churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most of them begun by McNulty. By McNulty. Yeah. Um, so Mother Claire is another towering figure, yeah, right? So yeah. does she uh, succeed a Mother Xavier? No, no. Um, This is a. Are you talking about St. Joseph's Hospital now? Or? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was a, a, a long-term leader at, at. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. So she wasn't superior to the community. No, no. But she was referred to as mother. Well, Mother Claire in the sense of the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, that's a popular name for her. And so and, she, and and the hospital has a succession of them, like uh, Jean Reagan and. Uh, Sir Jane Wall ultimately, well, all Very kind of had that title, even leader. though yeah, technically yeah. they're not. But Mother Claire was head of uh, St. Joseph's Hospital for 40 years or something. Yeah. And yeah. again, did this monumental yes. service as yeah. the hospital expanded. And Vision and, and yeah. ability to raise funds and engage the community. and Amazing. Yeah. 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 So... Uh, McNulty is also making sure that um, catechesis occurs, and there was a, a little detail that you that you mentioned that they were doing catechesis in the Passaic County Jail. Yeah, the dean had a a highly organized, actually separately incorporated from the cathedral parish, uh, religious ed program called the St. John's Sunday School Teachers Association. And this became not only catechetical, but also the social outreach of mm. the parish. So um, this was a, a highly organized group who provided catechetical instruction not only in the parish, but also in the high school, uh, in the jail, the Passaic County Jail, yeah, which is amazing. right across the street from the cathedral. 
But was it, the, was it the jail there then? Yes. Oh. Yeah. But this group also provided like youth work, CYO, everything that we would, you know, they, they, they were, they were mounting athletic teams. Yeah. Wow. They were mounting parish plays. Yeah. Um, eventually they, they take on a title, a name for themselves and also for the building, the old church, the entre new, you know, a very flashy French title, you know, among ourselves or, or kind of like our thing. Yeah. And, and this became like the, the social, um, athletic, uh, yeah, so let me just theatrical right, arm so, of the parish. The, so the old church on Oliver Street, still standing, right, becomes uh, uh, what do you call it? Lyceum, lyceum. A lyceum yeah. Ba- yeah. Basically, that is where the school recentered itself. Okay, and it, a, a, an addition was put on. The front was was and named Entree New among and us it, or our it, thing, our thing, right? yeah. Right. And uh, when I first, you know, entered the seminary, stuff was still going on. There. I remember like, that, like yeah. um, the the dinner honoring Bishop Casey at his welcome into Patterson was in the entrenue, and I had no idea what the entrenue was. I'd never heard that term before. You I, you had to be from Patterson to know what the yeah. Entre-nous I actually was. think it was still around when I was yeah. ordained. Yeah. So so the entrenue was um, uh, more than a school, more than a school. It was. Uh, it was a whole cultural arm of the parish. Yes. You know, as the, again, as the parish is developing. So much of what we would think of today, you know, as youth ministry. Was happening there. CYO, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. parish, uh, theatrical society. You know, this was all entre news. So power. one interesting detail is that the football team, St. John's football team. Right. Defeated Princeton University. Yes. <laughs> must have that was the, the shockwave around the world. Well, it was the early days of football. I think both collegiate and uh, high school. It probably right. says something more about the state of collegiate athletics uh, yeah. at the time okay. that that a local parish okay. in North Jersey okay. could defeat them. So during his long tenure, you you mentioned that uh, Dean McNulty had sixty. Assistant priests over yes. the years. Yeah. So sixty younger guys yeah. worked with him and in, in in some way probably were mentored by him. That's amazing. Yeah. And that would continue at the cathedral for years. You know, I, I once did a talk on the impact of the cathedral. I think it was when we were trying to raise funds for this most recent renovation. Yeah. And I did a talk uh, on the connecting links between the cathedral to all the other parishes of the diocese. How yeah. many of the other churches of the diocese had been built by a priest who got his start at St. John's? Yes. You know? um, I think that and, might have been here, that program, that talk. Was it Maybe, possible? yeah. And yeah. no, I think actually it was in the cathedral Oh, itself. okay. Sorry about that. I think credit. Bishop Saratelli was trying to sell you know, his, yeah. his program, and so I gave this talk. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the impact of the dean's alumni, both his alumni who had been assigned there and also the alumni who had grown up in the parish. Oh. You know, he had a long-reaching impact, uh, yeah. you know, well past his. Kieran McHugh, who you and I both know. Right. His know, first assignment uh, was there? His the first cathedral? assignment was there, and he, he you know, he, 
most of his career in Sussex County as director of Pope John. But he uh, has a sense of history, and he was very proud of the fact that he was the last Irish-born curate, you know, after like 150 years of them. Yes. You know, they, these guys would come over, and they'd be assigned to Dean McNulty first. And Kieran was the last Irish-born priest at St. John's Cathedral. Yes. Wow. The end of a line, so to speak. Yeah. I'm going to uh, keep us uh, moving here, but... but um I wanted to mention Father Patrick McGann. McGann, yeah. Father Patrick McGann was a parochial vicar, an assistant. Right. Uh, who ran Came into, over from Ireland. Right. Eventually becomes pastor of Mount Hope. Yeah, in in, uh, in Morris Rockaway. County. Yeah. yeah. But he kept a notebook. He did. They, and they, you have excerpts here that are really right, interesting. We have the notebook in the archives. It's what they call a, a vade mecum. Uh, Along with of, me, yeah, yeah, kind of a, notes to himself about uh, adapting his pastoral training from Ireland to the American scene. So, so interesting. And he has a, a couple of you know funny little comments there. He says, you know, uh, about baptism. He says, if they choose to call their son George Washington, <laughs> you know, if they choose to baptize him George Washington, whatever, yeah. He says, you know, just ignore the fact that Washington is not a, a Christian name. Just, just, put, just go with the flow. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, He's you know, got another detail about um, not uh, imposing rules on grown people, but working with the children. Right, you right. want to say a word about that? So many of them were uncatechized or, or, or just very basically catechized. So, you know, to talk to them about rules of fasting, for example, or uh, all of that, you know, is way over their heads. He said with the adults, it's, it's and, almost it's, not worth it. Right. right. And, and, you know, they had at this point a very strong program of the annual parish mission, which we would almost call today the new evangelization, yeah. trying to reawaken the faith in the adults. Yes. But in many cases, you're you know, introducing issues for the first time to them. Yes. So, you know, he says, you know, don't waste your time. Really do the trying to formation of children. Right. Trying right. to do the letter of the law with the adults. It's, you know, go after the kids and let's work with the next generation. And, and they, he has a fascinating comment in there about First Communion. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, you should hire a brass band yeah, make it make it memorable. Make it as big a deal as possible. You know, yes. those of us who have dealt with first communion and parents' expectations over the years, you know, look back and say, "What are you crazy?" But his comment was, you know, make it as big a deal as possible so that they never forget this event right. and it sticks with them all their life. You know? Yeah, and the the other uh, thing I wanted to mention is you say McGann notes some sage advice to homilists. I I got to read this. <laughs> Never scold the people. Never call them opprobrious names. This is to be blamed in Europe as well in America. But in America, one imprudent sermon with a good deal of scolding might break down a priest and prevent him from doing any good in the congregation. He will have to leave and be sent elsewhere. Yeah. Wow, the power of a homily yeah. yeah. to yeah. do good or ill. He also <clears throat> talks in there about... Um, 
being careful how you refer to non-Catholics. That, yes. That the, uh, the, the strong divisions that you would find in Europe, you know. Don't exist here. Don't exist here yeah. in the same yeah. way. And be careful not to be too strong in yeah, that's, denouncing Protestants because, you know, yeah. here we married them. We don't yeah, denounce yeah, them. Yeah. That's a great little section. So I'm, I'm going to keep us moving. Uh, in connection with uh, Father McGann, you get into... Americanism and yeah. division in the church, and we don't have a lot of time, but I, I, I just am. Americanism was a movement in the 1890s that basically, it, it, it for a brief period, you know, it, it's it's actually a, a strong suit in religion in in America. Period. We just came to it late. You know, this is the same thing that was the Great Awakening among the Protestants okay. on the frontier in the 1830s. It's what, you know, the, the vision that the pilgrims had when they came over, you know, that this was the new Zion, the new Jerusalem over here, a, a clean slate where we can make true religion. So for Catholics in the 1890s, there was a strong feeling among mostly some of the clergy that you know America was the future of the church mm. they really felt that by this time you know the headquarters of the church would be in America that the pope would have moved here you know wow. because this was the future and and it had some practical uh, impacts for example many of them were opposed to catholic schools because they saw them as ghettoizing the Catholic kids, yeah. when they should actually be in the public school evangelizing, because eventually America is going to be all Catholic, because, wow. you know, it'll just be so obvious to people that America and Catholicism are perfectly matched for each other. There was a, a, a problem with the between the German clergy and the Irish a little bit that, that played into this, yeah. or that yeah. was a result of Well, this. one of the aspects of Americanism was, you know, you... you do not provide language services because that, again, helps to ghettoize. They should be learning English right. and so getting on board the program. National churches yeah, or yeah, the languages. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out they that— They were very critical of Bishop Wigger, who is one of the leaders of the conservative movement in this period. Uh, Wigger was multilingual, mm. and when he would preach in German at a parish, even though he was born in Newark, you know, he could handle— and, you know, they were very critical of him when he would preach in anything other than English. Wow. And so there was, there was conflict uh, with McGann and between Wigger and McGann, and also it resulted in conflict between Dean McNulty and Well, Wigger. basically, uh, Wigger, I forget the exact incident, but there, there were several of them over the years. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, interesting reading. There were, uh, the uh, the New Jersey pastors who were on the Americans Americanism side constantly criticized Wigger, and then he had a short fuse and he would excommunicate them, and you know it went back and forth. And this is all playing out in the press. In the press, sometimes. yes, because there was so yeah. much press, they would grab a hold of this, and and so you know we think. Um divisions and fissures in the church and and people going at one another we we tend to think this is a 21st century issue this is this it, it, it reminded me of uh, today yes what was yes. going on and, um, and the dirty of, laundry being aired well some of the comments recently about the bishop in texas yes who has been critical of other bishops not towing the line is it strickland strickland right yeah. 
Uh, I saw one commentator say that this is the first time since the 1890s that we've heard an American bishop publicly criticizing another American bishop. Because after this thing, this thing was so hot that when it was over, they kind of all said, all right, we're never going to do this again. This is in in this is the end of of this public uh, airing of our laundry. Yeah. But... um, and we, so, we managed so, not to do it for a hundred years. Yeah, McNulty <laughs> was kind of a, a leader, if you will, of the Americanism faction in the newer clergy. Yeah, and at one point to kind of punish him, Wigger removed his first curate, and in, this is a time when the cathedral had four priests at a time, and the yeah. first curate, especially as <clears throat> McNulty was beginning to age, you know, the first important. curate. That was a major responsibility. Yeah. So Wigger pulled him and assigned him elsewhere and didn't replace him. Oh, boy. And, you know, Wigger sends a very sharply worded letter to Wigger saying, how do you McNulty, expect yeah. me to— Yeah, I, I, that's quoted in here. Yeah, how do yeah. you expect me to run this place, you know, yeah. if you don't send me somebody of quality that can take over the uh, the first curacy of the— Yeah. Well, I'm sure Dean McNulty's name is going to come up again and again in, in ensuing episodes, but I want to, I want to finish. I started talking about him by quoting uh, Monsignor Kupke from his book. And uh, he set this section up beautifully. And the ending of this chapter uh, moved me uh, almost to copious tears. So here's the end of the this, this story of Dean McNulty. At a later date, the body of the dean was brought back to the city to lie in front of his church beneath Gaetano Federici's statue of him sharing the confidence of a young boy. It could have been any boy, a schoolboy, an orphan, a newsboy, or an altar boy. He would have understood them all. When Dean McNulty drove through the city, even Protestant children would run after his carriage and call out, Father Mac, you know me. Indeed, he did. He knew Patterson and its hopes and dreams and challenges. And Patterson and its church are still basking in the warmth of his response. Dean McNulty, pray for us. Let's leave it there. I want all of you who are listening or watching to make sure that you keep an eye out or an ear out for the next episode of Coffee with Kupke. In order to stay on top of new releases, make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you are on YouTube, please do drop a like and hit the bell for notifications. While you're at it, Make sure to check out the other shows produced by the diocese. Those shows are Beyond the Beacon, hosted by Bishop Kevin Sweeney and Jay Agnish, our Director of Communications, and the Paul Street Journal, hosted by Brian Hansberger and Freddie Garcia. I want to give a special thanks to Joe Janexi, our sound and visual engineer, Caitlin Ferrari, who's involved in pre- and post-production, and Freddie Garcia, who's helping out with this podcast in addition to doing his own. With all that said, I just want to thank you for joining us in uh, Coffee with Kupke. Keep making Catholic history in the Diocese of Patterson.